You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning, my name's Sarah, and uh, today's Bible reading is Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told them. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name's Joni. If I've never met you before, hello, welcome to church. Um, my husband, John, and I have the enormous privilege of leading this church. So this morning, we are going to be starting a brand new sermon series entitled Jesus and Mission. And in these talks, we will aim to become the church on mission, seeing people regularly coming to faith in Jesus, to create rooms, to call people home as part of our vision of home. Everywhere you look, you'll see home. And to help others follow Jesus in modern culture by pursuing the presence of God and being with Jesus. A people becoming like Jesus, being formed by God, and not the present age, and who live daily on a mission of doing what Jesus did. We want to be a Jesus people. So we're going to be rooted in the gospel, and this morning's talk is entitled, Jesus and the Table. Today we looked at the passage in Mark's gospel where Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector, to follow him. And he sits down at the table in Levi's house and shares a meal with him and a few other outcasts of society. I'll speak in a minute about our mission to widen our own tables and what that could look like, but first I'd like to just take a step back and look at the setting of the story in this passage for just a moment and see how the least likely people were exactly who Jesus wanted to be around because they saw their need for his love and forgiveness. In this passage, we see that Jesus sat down to a meal with Levi, the tax collectors, and some sinners, and some other tax collectors as well. And in that time, I'm not sure if you were, but the tax collectors, they would have been some of the most despised people. However, what, what happened is it was their job to collect what was due in taxes to the government. Um, but uh, it was widely understood that whatever they could um, cheat other people out of and swindle people above and beyond what the necessary tax was that they would then pocket. This would isolate them from society and they would become the wealthy elite set apart from the average person. And there's nobody else besides other tax collectors would associate with them. They became a bit of a group of outcasts. Given the social stigma around tax collectors and sinners, we see that Jesus being willing to take the time to socialize and get to know and to even eat with such a crowd of people would have taken some people by surprise. They would have assumed that Jesus would have avoided these people 
And yet Jesus uses this situation as an opportunity to extend his radical love, show his gracious nature, and to further his kingdom. This passage not only mentions the tax collectors and the other outcasts, but we also see a second group of people here, the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were Jews who prided themselves on following the law. They immersed themselves in following the traditions without really having much of a relationship with Jesus and no no real love of God. They did not like that Jesus challenged their thinking and their ritualistic rule keeping. Nor did the Pharisees like that he would call them out on their religiosity and judgmental behaviors. To their own minds, they did what was right by following the law, and therefore they they couldn't understand why Jesus would choose the outcasts of society over themselves to hang out with. They questioned the disciples why Jesus was doing this, and in overhearing, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. In those 12 words, he speaks volumes. On the one hand, the Pharisees would not like to be labeled as sick. Um, Instead, they would like to be focused on as being healthy, but they were more concerned with outside appearances. However, they're a bit stuck, really, as Jesus seems to be only interested in the sick and not them. They don't like this rejection. They realize that to gain the attention of Jesus that they were otherwise used to having from their members of society, that they too would have to be classed in with the sinners and the tax collectors, something they wouldn't want. But beyond that, they would have to reconcile that Jesus was right and that they were wrong. It would require a heart change. And again, that was something that they were not willing to do. The Pharisees didn't see themselves as needing anything or anyone. Full of pride, they follow the rules outwardly, but their hearts could not be further from Jesus. In another gospel account, Jesus likens the Pharisees to glasses that are clean, but only on the outside. Inside, they're dirty. And they give the appearance of something, and yet they're another thing entirely. They look clean enough from the outside, but when you really begin to look, you see the truth, and they're not clean at all. The sinners the sick, and the tax collectors. These are who Jesus had at his table. Those who he ate food with and invested his time and attention on. And I wonder who's at our table. In contrast, those who you would have expected to sit at Jesus' table, the religious, they weren't there at all. So what's the difference here? The outcasts realized something very important something that the Pharisees, with all of their learning and rule-keeping, they just they could not see their need for Jesus. Until they could see that they needed Jesus, nothing else really mattered. They could see that they were indeed sick, that Jesus, they were the sick that Jesus mentioned. Jesus was far more interested in the condition of their hearts than their ability to legalistically tick a box. Jesus is far more interested in our hearts than of just us doing what we think would be the right things. And the reality is that for us to apply this lesson here, we see in the passage, we're all sick. All of us are lost without him. But he comes to us in love, and love always gives a choice. He called Levi to follow him, but Levi could have said no. He still had his free will. And true love allows people the choice to come freely to him. It's not love otherwise. And just as Jesus did with Levi and the rest of the group at the table, he comes to us, engaging us, loving us, ready to forgive us and to set us free. 
I love how the pastor and author, Dane Ortland, puts it, for all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. And I wonder if we've ever truly understood and grasped this. It is the absolute joy and longing and pleasure of Jesus to daily take on our burdens and sin and brokenness. This is what the cross was all about. He wants it. We display our ultimate worship and trust in him when we don't run from our stuff, but we bring it to Jesus. You know, something I realized a while ago, when you've run out of options, when you're desperate, you'll take the help that's offered to you. A number of years ago, I experienced maybe one of the worst pains I've ever felt physically. Now, I say this as someone who has a reasonably high pain threshold. Um, I've had all four of our children by a cesarean section. I've had many broken bones, two root canals, played a lot of sport, and had the injuries that go along with it. But this was something else. So there I was, and I'm in excruciating pain. Uh, it's all in my back and then in my stomach. And it starts moving around my rib cage. I'm starting to get a bit panicky. Uh, the breathing's getting a bit worse. And an ambulance was called, and off I go to A&E. In the ambulance, the morphine that they gave me, it wasn't even touching the sides. So they send me for scans, and they can quickly see that I need pretty urgent surgery to remove my gallbladder. Now, how many of you know that when you are fresh out of options, and in extreme pain, and completely vulnerable, you'll gladly take any help you can get? So when the doctors wanted to increase the pain meds, they didn't need to ask me twice. When they scheduled my emergency surgery, I was more than willing to sign the consent forms. You see, I could not help myself. If I could, I never would have rung 999, and nobody goes and hangs out in A&E if they can help it. Again, Jesus said these 12 life-changing words. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And just the same, it's the sick, the unwell, those who have run out of options, those are the ones whose hearts are ready to receive help. They fully recognize that they have a great need. And the fact that they cannot help themselves, and the fact that they definitely needed a savior. They welcome his medicine. They have a far easier time consenting to his prescribed treatment plan than those who do not even recognize that they have a need at all. Those who think they're just fine, they're on their own, and they really don't need or want the rules. So I've been asking myself this question. I wonder, who, who are we more like? the Pharisee who seemingly has it all together and has no need of help, or of the sinner, the one who recognizes their brokenness and need. As we're aiming to be a Jesus people on mission and to do that effectively, I think that it's our crucial to our spiritual development and to our discipleship journey to get this right, to acknowledge our deep need for Jesus' help daily, not just at the point of conversion, but ongoing, a continual process of refinement. I genuinely think that the extent to which we allow Jesus to refine us as we grow in our discipleship, it's directly related to our effectiveness on mission.
Our culture isn't looking for Pharisees in the church. They're looking for authenticity. Reality, invited into our story, which is a story of struggle, yet impacted, shaped and transformed by the grace of Jesus. Our ability to let Jesus kill our pride will directly affect our inclusivity of the ones yet to know Jesus. If we cannot daily die to ourselves and surrender to Jesus, how can we expect to effectively evangelize and share our faith? We are on mission to see people regularly coming to Jesus and to see that we are going to have to be ready to extend the welcome to the most unlikely guests. We are called to be a Jesus people on mission and in this mission of extending our welcome and our table to the unwelcome, we must live with open hands, freely inviting others to join our table. And this comes a lot easier when we have grasped the daily need of Jesus in our lives for his healing. And we remember what we have been saved from and how we have been loved. Then we are eager to share this hope and freedom with others. Just as I was willing to take whatever dose of morphine they'd give me, so it is with our city and beyond. People are desperate for hope. They're desperate for help and for relief. The past few years have been a great exposing and catalytic force, which really showed us where our bedrock was. It revealed what as humans we had really gotten good at masking. It stripped away and it sifted. And although it was a terrible pandemic, maybe we can see that it drew us closer to God, enhanced our prayer life. It caused us to realize in a fresh, terribly real way that we did not have all of the answers, that we indeed were a sick people and in need of help, God's help. It also highlighted that we were made for community, to be with others, sharing life, eating together, the connection. That is so often what people say they miss the most. Maybe COVID wasn't the great equalizer. Maybe God in his divine wisdom allowed us through COVID to come to a place of desperation and in need in order for us to see our soul's need for a savior. When we realize we've run out of options, we'll have a far easier time of receiving. Levi did. Who else would see any value on him such as to decidedly spend time getting to know him? Let alone the one who is healing and setting free and demonstrating his love. Levi and the other outcasts, they saw the error of their ways. They repented, they had a heart change. When I was in serious pain all those years ago, I definitely knew my need. In agony, give me what you've got, I've got to take it, anything. If we could save ourselves, and if we could fix ourselves or help ourselves, what would we even need Jesus for? And this is the place that God would have us come to, a place of awakening to our need of repentance and of having our eyes opened of our need of a savior. But once we've grasped that need, we're called to welcome others just as we too are welcomed. All around us and everywhere in our city and beyond, people are desperate for hope. They have no idea how much they need Jesus because they don't see it yet. 
personally, I'm noticing it more and more. The people who I'm having the privilege of walking alongside who don't know Jesus are people who've run out of options. And I'm able to say, yeah, me too. Like, when I came to the end of myself, God came for me and he will come for you. Sharing your own personal story of sickness and need of a doctor is a major key to the effectiveness of our mission. I'm sure there are Damascus Road interventions in people's lives by God, but so often I find he uses people that are right here in our spheres, in our lives, and Christians who are right there around others in their everyday lives to live out Jesus' love and to show them a different way of living, to love each other radically. This is our mission. When times are hard and when there's pandemic and when there's grief and death all around, when it's hard to see past the wilderness, folks are looking at how we will respond, how we speak. Are we speaking constantly negatively? Are we choosing joy? Are we ready to whinge about the difficulties of life? Or are we willing to silently roll up our sleeves and do some hard graft? Maybe that looks like doing our jobs excellently. Maybe it means not giving up on people who have routinely pushed others away. It looks like the radical love of the marginalized. Are we willing to welcome others who we currently don't know all that well? Are we willing to engage with the outcasts and the exploited in our city? And not just engage with them, but to go the extra mile and to sit down to a meal with them, really getting to know them and their stories. So church, who is at our table? In our day to day, who is welcome at our table? Is it only the ones who seem to have it all together, those who go to church, to home group, or they give and they serve, those who are our friends, or maybe who are, have kids and our kids are friends with, or maybe are we willing to widen our welcome? Are we willing to not just do the minimum, just a smile and a wave to the unlovable, but are we willing to welcome them? Maybe could we intentionally seek them out and welcome them just the same, more even, what would it look like for us to radically welcome the outcasts of society, to love them and to eat with them and to get to know them? Not for any agenda, not for a project, but just to simply show to them God's incredible love. We are a Jesus people on mission and it is our mission field here in Hull and it starts in our own dining rooms. I was thinking about the outcasts, and I wonder if that group of people might be a little different to what we initially think it includes. And I wonder if the outcasts of our city might include that boss that's just a bit difficult, the gossips, the person who drinks too much, the person in our lectures who is not like us at all, the one who asks for your good advice without having any intention of following it and then follows the consequences the one who's caught in addictive, harmful behavior in their life that's just ruining their lives. You see, the broken and the hurting and the outcasts and the unlovable, they're all around our city. They're in this city and beyond, and they are in this church, and they are so welcome. One of the most frequent and encouraging pieces of feedback that we receive here at church is that people feel warmly welcomed. First time guests and those who regularly attend, they all say the same thing, that they were warmly welcomed into our church. 
and how that positively affected their experience in coming to church. So a huge well done to you guys. Thank you. It's you who make that happen. You have caught the culture of the wide, warm welcome, and it shows. Again, from John and I, thank you. As we head into our week, I'd like to leave us with some practical outworkings of this question, who is at our table? We have this vision here at the whole vineyard of home, and so in our dining room, whatever that looks like for you, physically, metaphorically, First of all, extend your table. Maybe this for you means getting the extension leaf put back into your table. I don't know about you, but our table seats eight. We can add more and it seats 10. Maybe it means getting creative with more room at the table that you have. I think of our own family and there's a lot of kids and with any flat surface that'll do, we call it a table. I don't know that anyone has ever been that bothered by if you have a dining table per se, they just seem to be all too pleased for the welcome. I think some key questions to be asking ourselves is, you know, how are we spending our time? Who are we inviting to our home and to our church? So second of all, lay your table. Whatever that table looks like for you, prepare for others to join you and bring along who you love, who in the city that you can love. Get out those spare plates and cutlery and the glasses out and planning ahead for all those that Jesus will come and bring to you. So it's so nice when you go to someone's house and they've clearly prepared for you. They've thought about what you like to eat or maybe what you don't prefer to eat. Someone who's gone the extra mile to show you extravagant hospitality. Even now, those gracious hosts, the memory sticks with me. I won't forget the warm welcome I received. It's not because I could do something for them or that they stood to gain anything at all. They simply wanted my company. I think a good place to start would be to pray. Pray for a few people that God has put on your heart and pray for them every day. I think thirdly, what we could do is to engage with our dinner guests. Once we get them to our table, find out their story. How has their day been going? What are they up to? What are they interested in? Lean in and love well. I found that most people will talk to us about themselves if we'll only give them half a chance. Make them the priority. Intently listen to their stories and maybe you'll even get the chance to pray for or with them. Again, I think that particularly in this post-COVID state, people are ready like never before to connect over conversation, face to face. And I feel like this, it goes both ways. It's the listening to others, other people's stories, but it's also the sharing of your own story, sharing of your own journey. As we are a Jesus people on mission, let's ask who is at our table already and who are we preparing to come? Who are we going to ask Jesus to bring to our table? And maybe a good challenge would just be to ask someone who's never ever come round, someone you don't already know all that well. Here's an easy ask, find a student, they love free food. The point is, if we are serious about reaching our city and beyond, those who are yet to know Jesus, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional with our invite and as a Jesus people on mission who actively seek out those with whom they connect. Purposeful with our generosity and love. Proactive with seeking out the lonely and those other people of society that otherwise would be shunned. 
This is the call of Jesus on our lives. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.